A number of years ago, there was a country song that, to me, typically reflects the lives of most people. That song goes, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. Some of you are more familiar with that than others. I wasn't familiar with it until it was pointed out to me by an individual that says, I think this is descriptive of your life. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Life is busy. For those who are involved in some element of the business world, it's just that rat race where we try to keep up with what's happening. Or the pressures that come in that dog-eat-dog world. Some of the common phrases that are used. And even for people in their home life with rearing children, there's so many obligations, so many different things to go to. Sometimes you feel like, I don't know whether I'm coming or going. I got so many hats. At times I'm the chauffeur. At times I'm the coach. I'm at times I'm hosting some event. Life is busy. And in the midst of all the things that we're juggling in life, every once in a while, something comes to us, we're aware of it, or someone puts something on us and says, hey, I need this ASAP, ASAP. Now, we know that ASAP, ASAP means as soon as possible. But what it really means is I want you to drop everything And this is what you need to do right away. And at times we wonder, how am I going to get that done in addition to everything else I need to do? Well, I want you to understand that in the midst of a very busy, hectic life, with many priorities and things that each of us need to do, there is one thing I want to tell you ASAP. It's what you need to do right away. That's really more important than anything else. And Solomon describes that for us in the book of Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1. And there Solomon says, Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. We know that the book of Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom written by Solomon. And what it really is providing us is, in the Old Testament, a theocentric worldview. But for us on this side of the cross, it's providing for us a legitimate Christian worldview. And in fact, it's providing us with the only worldview that makes sense out of all the things that all human beings wrestle with in life. It helps us understand why in our lives there are things that are good, enjoyable, and beneficial. And at the same time, we can understand why there are certain things that are so hard, so difficult, so frustrating, so discouraging that we all face in life. It's a worldview that helps us make reason out of the nonsense of things that go on. At times, we'll still look at the mysteries that there are, but what Solomon keeps telling us is that if you're going to have a sense of well-being in life, if your life is going to have real meaning and real purpose, the only way to live your life for your own benefit and your own good is to have God as the foundation and the center of your life. 
that you won't find meaning and satisfaction in the temporal things of life. That's chapters 1 through 6. But meaning and satisfaction and how to wisely, skillfully handle the things that come are the deductions in chapters 7 through 12. Interestingly enough, probably one of the greatest thinkers of the time of the Renaissance was Leonardo da Vinci. And Leonardo da Vinci excelled in so many different areas of life. And Leonardo da Vinci had a focus on the temporal things of life. And the record says that at the end of his life, he ended it in despair, discouragement, and disappointment. You know why? No matter how smart you are, no matter how many eggs you put in the temporal basket, it's always going to let you down. And sadly, many people don't ever take the time to pause and think, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I living for what I'm living for? Why am I engaged in this rat race of life that when I really contemplate it, when I really analyze it, it will mean absolutely nothing in the end? So many of our professions sadly fall into that category. And that's why Solomon began the book of Ecclesiastes when someone says, oh, see this? This is something new. Man still is involved in the same cycles of trying to find a way of meaning and gratification and satisfaction in life that's been done in generations gone by, and it'll leave you empty. And so ASAP, as soon as possible, get on it right away. Solomon says you need to have God as the foundation and the center of your life. Now, we've been looking at this section, and we know it's addressed to youths. And what we have come away with is the fact that Solomon tells us there are three R's that are important for living our lives, aren't there? And the first is to rejoice. And I'm to rejoice every day because it is a blessing that God has given me. He's given me life. He's giving me good things to enjoy. And while I'm in the midst of all the problems, there is to be a joy, a cheerful disposition that characterizes God's people. The second is to remove vexation. And we have looked at this idea of getting away with the frustration, not getting upset, not getting bent out of shape with all the problems that we face, not getting bitter, not getting anger by saying, what I need to really do is relax when the hard things come and I don't get my own way, when things aren't going the way that I wanted them to go. And then here he is saying to remember your creator in the days of your youth. Now, we had looked at this verse last time just to start laying a foundation for it, and I want to try to complete the thought that Solomon is giving to us here. We noticed before that as he gives us this information, he says, remember also, and that word could be translated remember now or remember um, especially. In other words, when I think about rejoicing in life, when I think about chilling out, relaxing, handling the pressures that come without letting it destroy me within, without this third R, without remembering your creator, you won't have that joy in the things in life. Without having that relationship with God and being able to focus your life on him, you're not going to be able to to be cool, calm, and dry when you meet the problems and the pressures that come in life. And so this third R is really foundational 
for the others. This idea of remembering is more than just, oh yeah, it's Sunday, I need to go worship. It's much different than just all of a sudden it comes into my mind. It's a word which has to do with keeping it in your thought, to keep it in your mind, to continually have God as the priority and the object in your life. And so when we looked at this idea of what does it mean to remember your creator, it's really the idea that he's the one I'm focused on. He's the one I'm depending upon. He's the one I'm trusting. That as I go through all the things in life and the things that I need to do, to remember your creator is to trust him and to live for him. We also looked at the fact that it didn't say here that I am to remember my God. Solomon didn't say I'm to remember the Lord. But he said remember your creator. Which is a way in which it causes each of us to recognize God is our creator, which means you're no freak of evolutionary chance. God made you. He made you according to his own good pleasure. He made you for himself. He is not only the source of your being and all that is true of you, but he is the one who has designed you for his own pleasure. That's why when Paul thought of this idea of writing to the Corinthians, you remember what he said, what do you have that you haven't received? Now in the subtle arrogance that still is residual within all of us, where I still want to be my own God, because that's the essence of my rebellion against God, isn't it? The evil one uh, said to Adam and Eve, God knows when you eat, you'll become like God. And that within me is still the residual issue that I have to wrestle with. Why am I faster in running than someone else? Why do I have mental capabilities that are better than someone else? Why do I have an agility and dexterity that puts me apart from other people? Why is it I have a social economic status that is different from others? The race doesn't go to the fastest. The battle is not won by the mighty. God is the one that brings about the result. And the point he is making here is that who you are is all a gracious gift of God. Remember your creator. He made you who you are with the distinct abilities that you have. And he made you ultimately for himself. And you are depriving him of his rightful glory. If you are living for, if you are trusting in something other than the Lord. Be sure you don't find yourself in a loophole here. Got my attorneys analyzing because he said, remember, not the creator, but it's very personal. It's your creator. And when is it you're supposed to do it? ASAP. As soon as possible. Get on it right now. He says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. 
This is one place I really appreciate the picturesqueness of the Hebrew language. The word that is translated youth is to remember your creator in the days of your black hair. I should have gotten on it a long time ago. Some others sitting here also, as they kind of buff it instead of comb it, right? Yeah. There was a time, young ones, I had that black hair. Where'd the time go? See, I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. There's always something that needs my attention. Always a deadline I have to meet. Always a pressure that comes into life. But there is something that is a greater priority than all the other responsibilities, all the other tasks that you need to do, no matter how good they are. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. Notice the next word, before. You're not going to be a kid all the time. You're not always going to be able to run fast. You're not always going to be able to think really well. You're not going to always have the agility and the skill. Life is a vapor. It's a puff of smoke. It goes by so quickly. It passes before we know it. So he says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. See, Solomon is recognizing life is hard. And the older we get, the harder it gets. I remember early in my ministry with some of the elderly in the church, I had the privilege of pastoring at that time, going to visit them. This one gentleman said, anyone who is called getting old the golden days has never been here. The Bible doesn't call them the golden days. Whether you look in the Old Testament or the New Testament, Notice here he calls them the evil days. Now I hope you remember that this word translated evil doesn't always mean moral corruption. It always, doesn't always mean sinful perversion. The basic idea is that it's something that's difficult. It's a time of affliction. It's a time of overwhelming problems. And he is saying... While you still have all of your faculties, while you still have all of your youthful energy, in the days of your youth, remember your creator before, boom, it's gone. And you're involved in things that consume your time that are not always pleasant to do till I say, well, I have no delight in them. What's the point he's making? It's not saying old people don't have any sense of satisfaction. But he is saying sometimes your mind can think you can do things when in reality you can't. And you might have desires of things you'd like to do, but you don't have the physical ability to do it any longer. 
You might like to take a trip, to go see someone, to go do something. Some of us are foolish enough to think it sure be fun to play a sport again. Body won't respond. Even a number of years ago, when my sons were teenagers and we were playing basketball together at two-on-two, my one son said to me, Dad, I think you're in slow-mo. I thought I was moving fast, blazing speed, but I found out the lightning was gone. Yeah, it happens. Can't do what you used to do. Before the days come when you say, I have no delight in them, things you desire to do, you don't have the capability to do it. Solomon recognized that reality. What is it that he's trying to drive home? Well, he wants you to recognize life creeps up on you. It goes by so quickly. And instead of thinking, you know, I can deal with my relationship with God and think about eternity later on, don't fool yourself. There's patterns that begin to develop in our lives. And the longer we habitually live for something and do something, the harder it is to break the pattern. Now, I am fully convinced that the only way any individual, young or old, ever has a relationship with God is that God in his sovereign, effectual grace moves and gives life to that individual. But never presume on it. The longer you ignore him, the more common it is for you to do so. The longer you involve yourself in a life that disregards him, the more appropriate in your thinking it is to live that way. A number of years ago, an article was written about individuals who were involved in a plane tragedy right here in the Fort Worth area. And some of the individuals were screaming and hollering within the fuselage as the uh, plane was on fire. And the man that got out wrote a little report. And the thing that he said about it is, I learned that as people live, so they die. I would have thought they'd all be calling upon the Lord. And instead, many of them were cursing. I go to visit people in a senior center. And you know what's so appalling? When you live in a senior center, what do you really do with your life? Well, you're just in God's waiting room. That's all a senior center is. You're just kind of pacing your time before you die. And you'd begin to think that individuals in that setting would think, I ought to really think about what's going to happen after death. I ought to really have a spiritual interest. I ought to ASAP think very carefully about, am I ready to meet my God? And you know what the reality is? There is very little spiritual interest in senior centers. You know why? As you live your life is how you'll die. And I can't put it off. It's a priority that's more important for me to deal with right now. Today is the day of salvation. Not to put it off to tomorrow. It's more urgent than any other pressing demand that's upon you. And so Solomon says, it's something you need to take care of immediately. Now, why is it that Solomon said that? 
Why did he have that conviction? Well, the first is for me to understand that to live for God is really what's best for me. I need to to recognize the lie that people embrace, that if you have a life focused on the Lord, if you're giving your life to him, you are wasting your life. There is no greater lie coming out of the pit of hell than to think that if you live your life in a God-centered way, you're wasting your life, you're going to have a miserable life, when in reality you're going to have what's best for you in your life. A God-centered life is the only life that can give you a joyful disposition, a cheerful uh, ability to handle the things of life, even when you get hit with very difficult things to handle. A God-centered life is what will enable you to have a calmness. I know God's in charge even though I can't understand what's going on. I know that he's working it together for my good even though it's hard for me to grasp at this time. It gives me a calmness in life to be able to handle what comes. No, a God-centered life is what provides you with peace and contentment. Again, another experience in my past of a gentleman that was a dear, dear brother in Christ who didn't come to trust in Christ until later in his life. How many times when we'd sit and we'd talk, he would break out in tears and say, how much of my life have I wasted? So what is he saying? Don't waste your life. Solomon is saying, ASAP, get on it right away. To be sure your life counts for something that has meaning and purpose, provides you with joy and contentment, is to have a life that is built on the Lord and founded on him. Of course, the teaching we gain from Solomon is that the first priority needs to be a relationship with God. And if I'm not sure about it, I need to take care of it. And what is it I need to do? I need to trust him. If I am sure about it, I need to take care of it. I need to cultivate it. And what is it I need to do? I need to trust him. To me, that is such a relief and a wonderful thing. doesn't matter whether you're in Christ or out of Christ at this moment. What you need to do is still the same. The just shall live by faith. I need to be an individual that is developing and cultivating my dependence upon God and my walk with him. I need to be an individual that is trusting him. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How blessed is the man that doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is where? In the law of the Lord, and in that law he meditates day and night. And it's going to impact how you live. What you trust shapes your conduct. 
and trusting him will do the same. If I'm an individual that is trusting him, if I'm an individual that's remembering him, then I will have a life of true joy and peace. Again, looking at some of the statements made, it says, remember your creator while you're still young. Do this before the painful times come when you realize there's no more time or ability left for you to do the things you'd like to do. Remember your creator before the thrill of youth fades into the lack of zeal for life in old age. It's going to happen to the best of us. It's the difficult days that creep upon us. To remember your creator is to follow the path of wisdom and experience the true joy of life. To forget your creator or to ignore him, to think he's irrelevant. Those who forget and ignore the Lord will have sadness and emptiness in life. In particular, there'll be that bitter spirit that begins to fester within And the reason there's the emptiness there is nobody wants to hang out with bitter old people. It's just not a pleasant experience. And every one of us here will be either one or the other. And a life built on him brings peace, contentment, joy, and satisfaction. A life that says God is irrelevant won't have the ability to cope with the problems that are going to come, to become resentful and bitter because I didn't get what I think I deserve and find that I'm all alone and empty in those last years of my life. I'm in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush till life's no fun. What I need to know is A-S-A-P. ASAP. Get on it right away. I need to make sure I have that right relationship with God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your truth and I pray that you would be pleased. Father, to show us the relevance and also the priority of having you as the foundation of our life and first in all things. Through Christ Jesus the Lord we pray, amen.